Your king is here. The title of today's message is, is simply, He's Here. And I want to read as we begin right out of Mark chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 11 here, that we're going to jump into a word of prayer and get started. It says, that As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany and, and, and at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village. Ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. Lost my spot there. Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they, as they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying the colt? They answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread palm branches they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around. Oh, I wasn't going to read that. That that was the last verse. I'll read it, finish it. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Well, today, Lord, we get the privilege of opening up your word and reading a story that we've read uh, in different gospels each Sunday uh, on this day. In different gospels at different times, but now in this moment, as we come to a familiar story, there is a temptation to allow it to just simply be familiar. I've heard that before, been there, done that. Or In a place like this, we can allow your words to speak eternal truth to us that can bring conviction and bring about change, that we can recognize this eternal reality that as they said when you entered the back door in Jerusalem, Hosanna, our king is here. We can acknowledge in this place that Jesus is here. Awaken us, Lord, to your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title again of today's message is He's Here. And I want to tell you what I'm going to do with this uh, this morning. is It's going to feel familiar um, because, you know, this is going to be my last time preaching with you on Palm Sunday. And I wanted to, rather than try to come up with something completely new... I, I looked back and I was, I was thinking of what, what messages do I feel like were the things that I really want to get across, what's significant, what's really important on this Sunday. So I hope that, I do hope that you hear some of these familiar themes as we get into this story today, uh, because that is my goal, really just to come uh, from the heart with what this, this story can mean to us in this moment. And just to get it into your head and into your heart right away. Can everybody say with me, he's here. He's here. As we believe that, we can experience that this morning. So the title of today's message is simply, he's here. But I want to get three things that you've heard me, three things today that at some point in the last nine years you've heard me talk about uh, with this message. And the first, when we talk about 
uh, when we talk about Palm Sunday. I, I like to mention to you what takes place in this text is, called, is, is kind of like a prophetic slide of hand. A prophetic slide of hand. All right, I'm about to teach you the easiest card trick in the world, okay? But, but you've got to pay attention, okay? All right, and, and you can use this on kids, and they, you will just blow their mind, all right? Now, there's a mathematical formula that will allow, right here, that allowed me to pick your card right <clears throat> every time, okay? Now, Allie, want to try this, okay? All right, I'm just going to go according to this. So let's go black or red. Red. Okay. So with red, we got hearts, we got diamonds, right? What do you want to go? Okay, so that, that leaves diamonds. So you want to go odds or evens? Diamonds, odds, or evens? Odds. Okay. All right, so we got, so if odds, we got one, three, five, seven, and nine. Which one's about, pick three of those you like. One, three, five, seven, and nine? Five, seven, nine. Okay. Five, seven, nine. You said five, you want to go, with, you want to go five, seven, or nine? Which one of those you like? <laughs> nine. Okay, so that leaves five and seven. Which one, which one do you want? Seven. Okay, so that leaves five. So out of all of those, she said, we went diamonds, we went red, we went five of diamonds, right? Five of diamonds? Totally. What does that say right there? Five of diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> now, how many of you, come on, y'all, how do you know how, how many of you really can be honest and say, I know how he did that? Raise your hand. Come on. Really? You really don't know how I did that? Well, that's exactly what this is like. This is like, this is kind of what we see in this text a little bit. It's not meant to be a trick, okay? It's not meant to be a trick. It's actually meant to be something we see all throughout Scripture. We're going to get to in just a second. But there is a prophetic slide of hand that is taking place. Oh, by the way, just for the proof, Allie, I really had it. Okay, there it is right there. Five of diamonds. Just letting you know. I believe you. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> um, so I want to show you some of these, these things that are interesting in this passage. So here's the passage that Allie read, Zechariah 9.9. Okay, this is, what, this is what the prophecy was. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foil of a donkey. And then we also have Isaiah 62, 11, which reads, The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your savior comes. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Okay. Now, I want to just tell you a few of these sleight of hand elements. The first, it says, it says, Jesus tells his disciples when he goes and gets this donkey, he says, he says, tell them the Lord needs it. Well, that language, the Greek is kiros, but, but the, the, the piece of that, when he says the Lord needs it, well, it's fulfilling prophecy, right? But when the person who, the, who's, who are questioning the disciples when he grabs the donkey what do you think Lord means to them? Oh, whoever's the owner of this donkey. Whoever's the owner of this donkey needs it. Now, and when Jesus comes into Jerusalem fulfilling this prophecy, he doesn't come in the front gate of Jerusalem like many people expected him to. He comes in basically the back door. He comes in a back gate. And a lot of the, uh, most of the people there are some of the poor people, but also some of uh, the religious people, the Pharisees that were kind of skeptical on what was going on. They were aware of what was happening. These are the ones that are there to greet. It's not the most important people. It's not the most important people there in Jerusalem. Um, it, is, it is kind of, it's some of the religious skeptical people, but also uh, some people that, that, that had followed Jesus' ministry and knew who he was and knew that he was coming. 
So you have to, when they begin saying, Hosanna, they're welcoming their king to come because they're welcoming a king that they believe would take over, would overthrow this Roman oppression. They were welcoming the guy that was going to come in and take over the government. That's what many who were there believed, who actually had followed Jesus and believed in him at that point. That's who they expected was coming into Jerusalem at that time. Now, you got to imagine, I always tell a story and I hope you've heard this before because we've shared this story each Palm Sunday. Because I, so I hope you captured this piece of, of, of this story. That you have to imagine this from the angel's perspective. All right? Angels, by the way, are not uh, 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 omnipresent. They can't be multiple places at one time. Okay? They are familiar with the bigger picture of what is going on in this eternal struggle. But they're also not all-knowing. Okay? So that's why I use this as the illustration. Imagine them watching this transpire. Like, wow, they are fulfilled. These people right now, they are fulfilling prophecy. They are doing exactly what was prophesied that they would do when Jesus entered Jerusalem. But they have no idea what they are saying right now. They have no idea that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem to die. They think he's coming in at this point to be crowned king. And so this is what this prophetic slide of hand is. So I always throw this, Hosanna, by the way, the the, the songs we've been singing this morning, simply means save us now. Hosanna, save us now. Okay? But I I hope you, I want you to make sure you catch this because we've talked about this in previous uh, passages in Mark even up to this point. It says, so what what is going on here? Did God trick them? Did Jesus trick them into fulfilling prophecy? Do you know that this, ha- this happened all throughout Scripture? It's happened in your life, too. We say yes to God. And oftentimes, it's a yes of faith. We don't really completely understand all of what that yes means, do we? And he accepts that yes. You know, maybe you said a prayer at some point in time to give your life to Christ and you know, 10, 15 years later, maybe you had a greater understanding of what it means now than what, you, what it meant to you at that point in time. You have a better understanding of what that yes is. But did the Lord take your yes 15 years ago? Absolutely he did. He continues to accept that yes and welcome you into the kingdom. I mean, it's like, you know, we do these things. We say these things sometimes and we don't mean it's like when a when a three-year-old says, I can't wait to go to the dentist. This is going to be great. Yeah, I'm excited, Mom. I hear they get prizes there and all this stuff. But so your yes has never been about your wisdom. It's never been about your qualifications or even your sinlessness. Your yes has always been about your willingness and his power. See, there are a lot of things that spin around in our head or that we participate in that we need to say no to, and a lot of kingdom things that we need to say yes to. So let's just try a few of these right out of Galatians 5. We need to learn to say no to things like sexual morality, to hatred, to discord, to jealousy, to fits of rage, to selfish ambition, to dissensions, to factions, to envy, to drunkenness. These things are right out of Galatians chapter 5. We need to learn how to say yes to love, joy, Peace, forbearance, 
kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Faith has never been, never been, about having all the answers. But faith has always been about saying yes to the living God. So take the yes that you know and are inviting more yes for the things that maybe you are not ready for in this moment. And so on Palm Sunday, on this Sunday that we, we celebrate today, it began, this yes began with worship. They were saying, Hosanna, save us. They were worshiping Christ even as he came into the back door, came through the gates of Jerusalem. So we preached a message, I think it was back in 2015 or 2016, and this next one was the title of it, because this is the irony of what's taking place when Jesus comes into Jerusalem. We call this from palms to nails. We can find ourselves still doing this today, that we, there are a lot of ways that it's easy to welcome Jesus into our lives. And the, these things are like the palms, the things that we welcome him, the, the things that we welcome to do in our life. And so we could maybe even think of these things kind of like church, right? One of the palms, like church, is, is just simply feeling good. A lot of people come to church because it makes them feel good. A lot of people come because it makes them feel good about themselves. It makes them, makes them feel like they're doing something good. It makes them feel like they're a part of something. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with feeling good. I hope that your faith makes you feel good a heck of a lot more than it makes you feel bad. That is the point, right? That we learn a peace that passes all understanding. We have joy that's unspeakable. We have things that are, that are intangible that stay with us. And so, sure, feeling good is a palm. It's a way we welcome the Lord into our life or we welcome you and enjoy this experience. Right? Another one's wisdom. Just simply, you know, as you, if, whether you've come to church and as you've come to know the Lord, I hope you've gained some wisdom through your journey. You've learned some things. And it feels really good to learn some things. And this wisdom that you have helps guide you to, to, to make better decisions in your life and to be more mindful, be more aware of who you are. And these are things that, again, these things feel good, and we invite them like the palms. And then, then there's this other one that gets a little twisted in our culture, but there's some truth in it. And that third one is prosperity. Prosperity is another palm that we have, that if I just do what God wants me to, he's going to make things work out you know, my way, the way that I want them to. Now, that's a little bit of a twisted statement. All things work according for his purposes. But this idea of prosperity is a palm that we welcome the Lord to come and bring more good things into our life. And that statement alone, absolutely nothing wrong with it. We welcome the Lord. But this is what they did. This, but the other part of this, the nails, are the part that they did not understand. It's the part that they, they couldn't figure out. They had no clue that he was coming to die. And so on the other side, we talked about the nails from palms, from transitioning from palms to nails. Some of the nails, you know, more than anything else, first off is our time. Time can go so many ways. Time is the learning how to give of your time for the Lord's kingdom, but Man, have you ever just felt like you've been waiting for something? You've been praying for something and you're, and you're waiting for it to happen, waiting for some kind of a breakthrough? We learned that time is one of those things that 
it hurts a little bit. There's that being in those moments of uncertainty can be really tough for us. And being, be, having to, to wait, having those times of unknown is one of those times when we use the nails and realize, wait a second, I'm not here for my will. I'm not even here on my own timetable. I'm here on his. So time is one of those nails. Another one is resources. The stuff that we have. What do you have that stuff for? Is it just for you? Or is it for bigger purposes than yourself? And when we begin to, to, to think of that latter one, wow, where does that end? There's no textbook for this stuff, but it is a nail. It is a nail where we realize that what I have ultimately has been given to me by the living God, and I'm meant to use what the gifts and the resources that I have for bigger purposes than myself. So resources is a nail. And finally, the last one, the most significant one that is really all about, the biggest one, the biggest nail in this text was sin. Being able to be honest and real about sin in our life. Being able to be the type of people that know how to take the dark areas of our life to the nails, to the cross, and allow the Lord to do a new work in us. If there is, you know, I will be so bold to say, because I understand the Lord's word. If you have been a Christian for 15 years and have not repented in, in 15 years, I don't know if you are still a Christ follower. Because that is what it means to follow Christ, is to be a man and woman that finds yourself on your knees saying, God, forgive me for the sins of my life. I need your power. That's what we do every time we come to communion and that's not, that's not a thing that we welcome with palms. God, show me all the really dark stuff about my life. Fix me. Help me deal with all of this. That's not something we welcome with palms, but it is part of the experience, part of the nails that we take to the cross as Christ followers. Now, here's the ironic statement that came up as I was studying this passage. I want you to think of this for a second because I'm going to ask you, Ask you why this this what they believe this? Okay, I'm going to ask for some of your opinions on this text, on this statement. As I was studying, I noticed that many scholars, many scholars believe that many of the people that were there to greet Jesus, singing Hosanna with palms in their hands when he entered Jerusalem, were some of the same people that would be at the cross cheering for him to be crucified. Let me say that again, because I'm going to ask for your opinion, okay? Many scholars believe that many of the people that were there to greet Jesus singing Hosanna when he entered Jerusalem were some of the same people that would be at the cross cheering for him to be crucified. Somebody be brave and by lifting up your hands, how in the world could that happen? How in the world could that happen? Anybody have any ideas? I think that's a great point. Influence. I have that down kind of as one of my answers. One of those answers, they were scared. Okay. When the Romans, when the Romans take charge and they're going to go crucify this guy. And now there's a backing that what this guy was saying was wrong, according to Pontius Pilate, because he, he let off a criminal, uh, was a Barabbas, I believe he lets off instead of uh, Jesus. And now there's some authority behind this. And if you're going to go against authority, well, maybe you could be the one being crucified too. So yes, they went with culture out of fear. That is certainly one of the factors there. Anything else? How could that change? Such a drastic change happen 
Somebody say something. Proof. Pro- would you say proof? But like what? Oh, they didn't have proof. They didn't have great, good answer. They didn't have proof of him being a king. I'm going to put that as it's basically the same thing as my first bullet point here. And this is what we got to capture, church. This is what we got to let this text speak to us today. The first is that Jesus didn't come like they wanted him to. Jesus didn't come like they wanted him to. Y'all had experience like that yet? Jesus, uh, one of my favorite artists, has a line in one of his songs. He says, Jesus, we invite your kingdom, but make it so convenient for us. Don't mess up our hair. Don't mess up our cords. Don't make us a mess in front of other people. But we invite your kingdom. We invite you to come as long as it's convenient for us. As long as we look good in the process. Come on. And this was the big problem. He didn't come like they wanted him to. Wait, this isn't how we planned it. This isn't what he was supposed to do. He's not supposed to be being crucified. But you know what the third one is? Because you already know the the first one, the third one here related. Daniel was right. The second one is fear. But the last one is all those people there with the palms in their hands. Just like many of us today, when the Lord is ready to do a work in our life, They could not admit that they were wrong. They could not admit that they were wrong about how this was all to play out. They could not find themselves at a point of humility and say, maybe I don't have all this thing figured out. Maybe this is the son of God, but he's coming in a way that I did not expect. Maybe this is the son of God that's working in my life and I, that's ready to work in my life, and I am not allowing him to. Finally, the last piece, preparing for resurrection and return. Preparing for resurrection and return. So let's catch this, that nobody, nobody in Jerusalem, nobody there at that gate was ready for what was about to happen next with the cross, except Jesus. Now, in Zechariah 9.9, if you can, if that was the, one of the first texts there, uh, Nick, you can put that one back up. Zechariah 9.9, we see, we actually see uh, a hint of two comings there, okay? Remember, they still never understood the idea of two comings. The first, Jesus was coming to die. The second one, that he was coming as a king. And you can see those things parsed there, uh, even in Zechariah, even in the prophecy. But now today, we can read this passage and know... Today, as we sit here today, we know that there was a crucifixion coming, and before the resurrection and and before the return came the cross. And so we now have to take that truth and apply that to our life. Before resurrection came a cross. For God to do a new thing in us, put that new thing verse up, Isaiah 43, 19, Nick. Isaiah 43, 19 says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and making a way, uh, making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Before new life, first came the death. And we are entering now, we, this is kind of the launch of Holy Week. And many people all across the world 
are observing Holy Week in different ways. And, and, and for some, it's this last week. Others, it's been months now and weeks, weeks, excuse me, now of self-examination through the season of Lent. All in, in preparation for Easter Sunday to allowing some kind of death to take place in us, to allow some kind of self-examine to take place within us to prepare ourselves for Easter. And that is really what the historic process has been, to be in some way preparing for new life, for new life, to allow God to do something new. And the recognition, and this, this experience is recognizing that for, for God to do something new, that I, I need to give something, I need to sacrifice something, I need to repent, I need to deal with some of the dark areas of my life. I remember when I was, um, you know, I remember when I was in Bible school, I, I, I realized how incredibly fortunate I was to have the kind of experience that, that I did. I, I had the kind of people, as I was still just 19, 20, 20, well, probably 20, 21, 22 years old, I had a roommate and, and the kind of guys around me, that it, this might sound crazy, but it was a regular part of our experience to just sit and talk about how incredibly narcissistic we were, <laughs> like how, how messed up we were and all the things that we do for our own self, out of our own selfishness, our own attentions, and our heart in all, and admitting all of those things was, God, break me. God, change me. I don't want to be here on this earth for me. I want to be here on this earth for bigger purposes than myself. I want to be yours. I want to be able to move um, so that when you say move, I move and to be around a group of people that we could admit that we fall short and it be okay. And you know, as I think of even the nine years here that every, I think if you know, those of you, the two of us who have had a chance to be honest, when we've had a chance to have a meaningful conversation with any of you here, any meaningful conversation with any of you would have come with some form of vulnerability, some form of admitting areas in our life where we had fallen short and we're in need of God to work. Areas in our life where we were weak. You know, I've, I've sat been with, with some of you through tears and, and, and through challenging, through tough moments. And I hope that you see it is in those moments. It is in those experiences of dying. It is in those experiences of breaking that the Lord does a new thing in your life. It is in those moments where his power is made perfect in weakness. But we must be people that draw near to the Lord because certainly culture is not going to point to that anymore. We have, we have, our culture has now made narcissism really cool. You notice that? The high school, did you hear the new thing that come out, they're coming out this week now in the OHSAA? They're actually having to vote whether high school athletes can now make money off of their own name and own recognition, they ought to be able to promote themselves. Well, heck yeah, why not? We all get on Facebook and promote ourselves seven different times a day. And, and so it just fits with the culture these days that we continue to promote and market ourselves. And, and, but we see in the gospel something different. And it's about oftentimes about being honest about the ways, that, the death that we need to experience, the ways that we fall short so we can allow God to do a new work in our lives. So I want to say today here, we're going to conclude just a little bit different today. And on it's Palm Sunday of 2022. A couple years ago, we couldn't even do this. Remember 
couldn't even have Palm Sunday together. And last year was still a little weird. We're still kind of coming out of things. And here we, we're here really basically with no restrictions whatsoever, right? This can just be another Palm Sunday. Or we can be man and woman of God who do not let moments like this pass us by. We can let, we can participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. Paul said in Philippians 1, 10 through 11, he said, I want, I want to know Christ. Ooh, I think I put the wrong one on there. I want to know Christ and the power, that was my fault. I want to I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection to somehow share in his sufferings and attain the resurrection from the dead. This is what Paul said. I want to know Christ, but recognizes that that comes through sharing in his suffering. See, these texts remind us this is a New Testament text that was written after the ascension of Christ. Paul is speaking of something that he can do now, in this moment. So just as they said in this text thousands of years ago, the king is here, Hosanna is coming into Jerusalem. Our profound truth in this moment is still, he is here now. He's here, and the time is now for death and new life to take place in us. So I want to encourage you to try to find that track, Nick, and we're going to try to play a video here. This may be a little bit of a challenge. But, and you can, you can, if you can't play the video, you can play the track and you can begin playing that whenever you're ready. But he is here. And at this time, I just want you to bow your heads for a second and close your eyes. Bring that down just a little bit, Nick. This video is going to play for about five minutes. And I want you to notice something. I want you just, just to notice the sacredness. Everybody with your eyes closed, nobody looking around, the sacredness of this moment. The spirit of God dwells through men and women. So that means Christ is here. <laughs> the thing that you think you need may not be here, but the thing that you really need is here. The power of the coming king is here. And so in a moment like this, this can just be another sermon and just hoping that maybe he says something that will inspire me or you can be reminded that the thing that you said yes to however many years ago, how, however real this is, that it can be just as real in this moment because God is near. He is here. And so my question, if that we believe that to be true, is what are you waiting for? So as this song begins to play, I want to give you just a space, about four minutes now, for this to be the space for whatever you need it to be. If you just want to stand up and sing some of the, the lyrics for this song, if you want to come forth to the altar, I would, I would love to have the privilege to pray with you. If you just want to stand and reflect, I want you to know, or sit and reflect, I want you to know that in this moment right now, <laughs> Your God is here. The truth of the New Testament is that he's here. He's not far off. There's not something you have to reach to to get him. Right now, you can say yes to the word of the Lord in your life. So however you feel led in this time to stand, to sing, to remain seated, to come forward, if you would want prayer, Nick's going to play that song for the next few moments, and we're going to just have a moment of reflection.
you just bow your heads and close your eyes as we close with a word of prayer? As I heard some of you singing that, and let's get that in your spirit. We said that as we came. He's here. Not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Dry bones awaken. <laughs> the Lord is in this place. Fill in this blank for me, church. You can have as much of God as you want to. In fact, he's here. And we must remind ourselves of that each and every moment. Through the times we feel depressed, he's here. The times we are weary, he's here. Times that we are, we, we are confused, he's here. The times when we don't even know what to do next, he's here. The times when we are angry, he's here. Our, our God is not far off and distant. He is near and ready to work in our life, and we must receive this truth that they did over thousands of years ago on Palm Sunday. Our Lord is here. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you that, Lord, we can connect through, with thousands of other, with, with thousands of years of generations, as well as uh, other churches and other com faith communities all across the world in this moment on Palm Sunday, and be reminded that our King has come our king is here. Even as we await the second coming of Christ, our call must be to die to ourselves and allow new life to take place in us in this moment. And as men and women of God, may we continue to draw near to you through repentance and experience the new life and allow you to do a new thing in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand for your benediction today. And don't forget, so next week, 9 a.m., we hope we can, you can join us for sunrise breakfast. Uh, we will have, again, the Easter egg hunt at 10 o'clock a.m., and then at 10.30 will be our worship service. Please don't forget to invite someone the easiest Sunday of the year to invite someone to come to church. Now, may you allow the Lord to do a new thing in your life as you welcome Christ with palms and nails and say yes in Hosanna, welcoming the journey of faith with the living God. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.